Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. So today, I want to share a message with you that, that is so important. It's so fundamental. Uh, let, me, let me give you a couple of leadings to this. See if this gets your attention because it applies to all of us. And yet it's something that I think we often overlook. So let me, let me give you a couple of intros here. Uh, I want to open up this biblical principle to you today. Uh, this principle I'm going to teach you today, God designed to impact every relationship in your life. Now think of that. That's pretty powerful. What we're going to learn today will impact every relationship in your life. If you're married, it will impact the relationship with your spouse. It will impact the relationship with your children or your grandchildren. It will impact your relationship with God. It will impact your relationship with the people you work with and you go to school with. It will impact your relationship with those that are your boss or your employees, the government or any leader. This principle will impact every single relationship in your life. So that's important. Not many things you can say that about. This principle that we're going to learn today uh, is operating. If there are people you admire and you see them living their Christian life at the highest level, not just barely, but people that are dedicated, committed, and, and their life is being lived at the highest level, they're making a difference in this world, I can guarantee you this principle is operating in their life. Finally, I'll say this. Uh, when you understand this principle, it will give you insight. Now, you, need, you need to get this. Think about this. This may be happening and you don't recognize it, or it may not be happening. So let, let me state it in this context. When you understand this principle, it will give you insight into the area of your life that is blessed and increasing. If there's an area of your life that's blessed, that has favor, that's bringing increase, this principle will be operating there. On the other hand, maybe you've been looking at your life and saying, I just can't make this part of my life work. This relationship's just not working. This area of my life is not blessed. It's not fruitful. It's not fulfilling what ought to be happening here. This principle, if you're not operating in it, will probably give you some indication why that area is not being what you want it to be and what you expect it to be. So, Pastor, what's this principle? you got to tell me. I need to understand it. Well, it's something that God has throughout his word. It's called honor. Honor is one of the most important issues that you'll ever learn in your life. And yet it is something, unfortunately, today, outside the kingdom of God, it's almost non-existent. It is something that we are not teaching our children. It is something that many of us have never had in our own life. It's, it, for too many people, it's this unknown missing entity, and they don't know how to identify it and what it is. So what I want to teach you today is going to help you in every aspect, in every area of your life. Let's go to Exodus 20 and verse 3. I want you to keep your Bibles open. I want you to be ready. Keep your device fired up and ready. Exodus 20, verse 3. All honor. Okay? Let's get this. I want to make sure I don't leave anything out because this is so important. All honor begins with how we relate to God. We will never see this principle bless us in our marriage, in our home, in our family, in our work, in our government, in our nation, in our church. I want you to hear me. Unless we first understand what is honor and the place of honor and how we relate to God. Maybe this will help us. Look at this. The very first commandment. You probably know what it is, don't you? Exodus 20 and verse 3. What do we read? You shall have no other gods before me. I think it's interesting, and I want you to learn something here. The words God chose. You know his words are chosen. 
Every one of those words are important. They have value and impact. And so he didn't say, you shall have no other gods above me. And that would have worked because that would have been right. He didn't say you should have no other gods equal to me. And that would have been correct and right. But what he chose to say here, think of this. And this is going to help us understand honor. He said, you shall have no other God before me. So what does that mean? In other words, he's talking about in a line of importance. So he says, surely he could say, no other gods above me, no other gods equal to me. But he said, no God before me. What does before me? It means the one that comes first. It means the one in the first place. It means the one that's established. It's kind of anything you illustrated. There's still some, some gallant gentlemen here at Calvary, and there are. It means when you walk into a building, you stop and open the door, and who goes first? Why? Because you honor them. In the same way, God said this. This is how he said we approach him. When we relate to God, the place of honor is the first place. The place of honor is before me. The place of honor is not behind me, serving me. It's before me. I'm serving him. So, so if I'm going to understand honor, if I'm going to relate to God properly, then what happens is he's not just my fire insurance. He's not just my membership card in my pocket in case I croak between Sundays. Okay. He's not, he's not just uh, an entity that I call on when I'm in trouble. He's not just someone that's out there. No, there is no other God before my God. You're preeminent. You're before me. I see you all the time. I follow you. You lead me. You guide me. I honor you. You're my God. And so with this principle, how I relate to God, affects everything else in my life. I want you to see this. These relationships all work this way. If I do not honor God, I do not understand how to honor anyone else in my life. If I'm not willing to put him before me and walk and establish that and understand that and yield to that, then, then I never get this principle working for me. So look at Revelation 4.11. So we see in Exodus uh, that God, nor the God before it. And in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11, we read this. I can give you many, many verses about honoring God, but I just picked a couple just to see what the word says. Revelation 4.11. What do we read? You are worthy our Lord and God. This is what they say in heaven. How many are going to go to heaven? I'm planning to go to heaven. You're going to go to heaven? Yeah, I'm going. So this is what we're going to say. You are worthy, our Lord and God. This is what they're saying there right now. To receive what? Glory and honor and power. He's worthy to be first. He's worthy to be recognized as God. And he's why? For you created all things. You were first. <clears throat> you created all things. And by your will, they were created and have their being in heaven. Heaven declares, God, you're worthy. But this is the thing that's interesting to me. Stay with me. I'm going to show you some illustrations that will really help you. But this is what's interesting to me. The biblical definition of honor. What could it be? How do you say that? How do we establish that? It simply means this. Think of this. It means to fix or set or estimate the value of something. Literally... You set the level of honor for God and everyone else in your life. It's voluntary. You hear what I'm saying? It's not mandated. It's not forced. If I'm honoring God, it's to the degree that I have set his value in my life. I set the value. You set the value. Honor means I estimate you to be this important. I judge you to be this important. I choose to make you this important. It is a voluntary process honoring God. Honoring anything is literally your choice and how you choose 
to estimate the value of something. It's completely voluntary. Any situation you're in where someone's trying to force you to respect them, force you to honor them, demand that you honor them, demand that you respect them, demand this kind of thing, that's not godly honor. That's not what the word teaches. It is a value that is set from my heart and I esteem it of this level, this value. So let, let me, uh, I could demonstrate this. Here's a verse. Look at this. Look at Psalm 138 and verse 2. King James translation. Look at this. This is pretty powerful. How do I know I'm honoring God? Okay. It's a good question. How many of you want to honor God? Let me see. You say, I want to honor God. It's important, Pastor. Because if I don't get that right, I'm not going to get any of these other things right. So how would I know? What are one of the ways I know I'm honoring God? This, look at this statement. King James translation. He says, I will worship toward the holy temple and praise thy name for the loving kindness and for thy truth. Look at this. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Did you read that? God said, I've magnified my word above my name. My word. How do I know I'm honoring God? Because I'm honoring his word. How do I know? Are you, are you with me? How do I know I'm honoring God? Because I'm honoring his word. If I'm honoring God, I'm doing what the Word says. I'm reading His Word. Everybody with me right now? Come on. We, they tell us the church in America today is the least biblically educated it has ever been. Do you know that's the, that's a plot of the devil? Because if I don't know the Word, I don't know truth. If I don't know the Word, then what is right and what is wrong? If I don't know the Word, the Bible says the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. When I get in a spiritual battle and I don't know the Word, I'm going to, pardon my language, I'm going to get my backside kicked. If you don't know the word, you're going into a sword fight with a butter knife. If you don't know the word, you're fighting a devil as somebody that's got nothing to fight with. And so how do I honor God? I honor his word. How do I honor his word? I read it. I study it. I know it. Hide it in my heart. I make it my deciding factor in my life. When I'm making decisions, I'm always thinking, what does the word say? When I'm following God, what does the word say? Do I quote it? Do I speak it? Do I believe it? Do I submit to it? Do I honor the word? I know she's cute, but what does the word say? I know he's handsome, but what does the word say? I know you need to make that sell, but what does the word say? I know you need to get to this next place, but what does the word say? See, I have to honor. If I honor God, I honor his word. How can I say I honor him, but I won't do what he says? How could I say he's number one in my life and yet I choose to go against what he tells me to do? How could I say I'm an honorable man if I don't honor the God who gives me his word? How could I say I'm an honorable husband if I don't honor what his word says about how to treat my wife? How can I say I'm an honorable father if I don't know what the word says about how I honor my children? How can I be an honorable pastor if I don't teach you faithfully the word and honor you in this church and the responsibility he's given me according to his word? It's easy. We settle this thing. How do I know I honor God? I honor his word. Jesus told the disciples in the upper room at the Last Supper, he said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And then he says, all these other things are going to happen. Maybe we're missing some things in our life because we're not honoring the word of God. Maybe there's some things that we're wanting, some blessings we're having, we're wanting to see happen. But because we're not honoring the word, we're not receiving those blessings in our life. Are everybody with me today? Come on. Are we still here? All right. So we honor his word. We honor his word. Hey, I want you to see this. You say, well, pastor, who do we honor? How does this work? I'm glad you asked that. Look at Romans 12, 10. Who, who, who should be honored in our life? How does this work? <laughs> Look at this. Be devoted to one another in love. 
Read it out loud, this sentence with me. Honor one another above yourself. Come on, you ready? Read it again. Honor one another above yourself. Do you know, I told you, it affects every relationship in your life. Do you know I'm supposed to give honor to everybody in my life? There's a level of respect and value I have to place on everyone in my life. How many of you hear what I'm saying? That's how we honor that. If we honor God, we do that by honoring the people that are in our life. We, we can't say I honor God and we don't honor the people that are around us. So, so let me illustrate this. This is powerful. Let's go to Ephesians 6 and verse 1. Stay with me here. I want you to say I'm teaching you some things that, that are super important. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1. I want you to turn there and I want you to see what, we're, what, what, what God is here. We're going to show you something. What happens when honor is released? So I've kind of described honor. I've defined honor. But let me show you what happens when you exercise honor. God watches this. God's looking for this opportunity. Ephesians 6 verse 1. Are you there? Okay, here it is. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Okay? But then there's something that's not just about obedience. Obedience and honor aren't necessarily the same thing. Did you know that? Honoring is an attitude in the heart, setting a value on something. You can be obedient just because you have to. Or you can be obedient because you choose to honor a scenario. So look at this verse. Are you ready? Honor your father and mother. Look at this. Which is the first commandment with a promise. That it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Now think of this. What did we just read? When we exercise, demonstrate, honor properly, God releases life. He said, honor your parents and you're going to have long life. Now let, let, let me help you. Some of you did not have honorable parents. Some of you grew up in dysfunction. Some of you grew up with an absentee parent. Some of you grew up with no parents. And so you come here to the word. I want to help you. Let's get real. I'm not just throwing out platitudes. We're, we're, we're growing. I'm, I'm helping you understand something that impacts every area of your life. So what happens when my parents were not honorable? What happens when you've struggled with uh, rejection, dysfunction, neglect, and then you come today to church and your pastor has the audacity to tell you to honor your parents? Well, I didn't say that. God did. And you're saying, how do I honor something that's dishonorable? I want to help you with something. God has an order that he established. God has a plan that he put in place. And God establishes that plan. Listen to me. Sometimes people misuse that plan. Sometimes people fail to operate in that plan. Are you listening to me? But the point I want you to see is that sometimes we're going to honor what God says to honor as unto God and not as unto that person. There are some scenarios that are so damaging you have to remove yourself from it. Are you with me? You have to stay out of that dysfunction. You have to disconnect from that. But what God tells us to do when we say, God, that situation may be toxic. That situation may be damaging and destructive and I cannot be in it. And God doesn't want you in that kind of scenario. But what we have to say is, God, I'm going to honor your plan. I'm going to honor what you established. I'm not going to negate the word because of my circumstance. 
So here's what I'm going to do, God. I'm going to say, you instituted family. You instituted marriage. You instituted parents and children. And God, I honor your plan. I bless your plan. I I pray that you redeem this person who's wounded me. That you change this person. That you heal this person. But I'm not... Because here's what happens. If I dishonor God's plan, I'm going to reap that in my life. But if I will honor God, do you see the difference? I don't have to honor the person misusing that. But if I honor God, it brings blessing on my life. It brings life on me. Do you know that's why forgiveness is so important? You know what happens when we forgive? We're honoring God because his word said forgive. When you forgive someone, they haven't asked you for it. They don't deserve it. They, 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 and, and I can forgive without giving you a chance to do it to me again. Forgiveness doesn't mean it was okay. Forgiveness doesn't mean it was all right. Forgiveness doesn't mean you can keep doing to me. Forgiveness means I'm getting out of the way and God will be the judge in this scenario. Listen, I'm saying I'm going to give the grace that I've received in my life. I'm going to move over and let God start working in this moment. I'm going to let God start doing something here. I'm going to trust God. He knows what he's doing. I'm going to bless him and his plan. And I'm going to let him take care of the people that are down here in this thing. And God says when you do that. Despite what they've done or not done, life begins to flow to you. Life begins to come to you. Hope begins to come to you. Healing begins to come to you. These things begin to shift and change in your life. See, what I want you to see is not only does God, through honor, bring life and favor to you, okay? Honor releases life and favor, but how we give honor determines the measure of that life and that favor he gives. Did you get that? How I give that is the measure that it returns back to my life. So it moves you out of being a victim. It moves you out of being trapped by what other people have done. And you begin to say, God, I can honor you even if this has been dishonorable. God, I can trust you that if they're not going to take care of me, you're going to take care of me. I'm not going to be bitter. I'm not going to take revenge. Everybody listening to me? I'm not going to live to try to prove them wrong. I'm going to live in the life of God. I'm going to live with the honor of God in my life. And God says, you'll be honored in that scenario. You'll be honored. Let me, let me show you something. Turn to Matthew chapter 13, verse 57. This is powerful. Watch this principle operate. Matthew 13, verses 57 and 58. I want you to get this. I hope you're, you're, you're learning something. You're getting this set because I believe this can set some people free. Matthew 13, and I'm looking here at verse number 57. And they took offense at him. <laughs> this is Jesus' hometown. This is his homeboys and, 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 and everybody there. Okay. They took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, only in his hometown. Watch this, guys. And in his own house. Only in his hometown and in his own house is a prophet without what? Honor. Was he still Jesus? Yes. Was he still as powerful as ever? Yes, but the lack of honor did something. Look at the next verse. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Now, some translations I don't think are accurate. They say could not. Really critical, important word. This is the the real one. Are you watching me? Look at this. He did not do. He did not do many miracles there. Why? Because of lack of honor. Think of that. 
Think of the miracles that were ready there for the people in his hometown. Think of the miracles that were waiting to be released in his hometown. Think of the miracles waiting to be released in his house that never happened because they refused to honor him. They were never there. Look at this with me. Go to uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 24. Luke 4, verse 24. How about you? I'm like this. I don't want to miss something God has for me because I didn't exercise the honor in my life. Are you with me? I don't want to miss something God has. I don't want Calvary to miss something God has for us. We, we need to understand this. Luke chapter 4, verse 24. This is, this, this is interesting. Okay, he, he's speaking again. Watch this. Jesus says, Luke 4, 24. I tell you the truth. He continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you. Now, he gets really strong. And the next verses after I read this, said they got really mad at him for this. They were furious about this. Okay, so watch this. Verse 25, I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. So he says everybody was suffering during Elijah's time. Verse 26, yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, his own people, the Jews, his own people. He wasn't sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. So he wasn't sent to his own people. God sent him over here to a heathen. God sent him over here to a Gentile. Are you with me? And so what happens, all right? So he sends her there, verse 27. And you know, God miraculously fed that lady in her house for the whole duration of the, of the drought. Verse 27. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha, the prophet. Yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman, the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. What did he say to them? Because of the lack of honor... God had to bring his miracle over here to some people outside your group. Because of your lack of honor of Jesus, the miracles that could have been yours, the lepers that could have been cleansed, the, the widows that could have been fed, they weren't fed, they weren't cleansed, they weren't healed. Because there was such a lack of honor, we couldn't operate in that place. So what are we reading here? What, what, what's being said? It, it's, it wasn't because God wasn't capable of healing and feeding. All right? It wasn't because that, but listen, their hands were so filled with their pride that there was no room for God to put his provision there in that place. So what do we learn? Pride repels the culture of honor. Everybody with me? Pride repels the culture of honor. If, if, if honor in the kingdom of God is how God delivers his resources to a place. And we see this very clearly here. So, so let, let me, uh, I can tell you're processing, but that's okay. Let me go to Ephesians 5 and verse 21. If you thought I've been stepping on your toes, you better curl them up right now. Some of you are going to wear your steel-toed work boots. You ready? If you slipped your shoes off, you better slip them back on right now. Okay. I'm helping you though. I want to see favor come on you. I want to see life flow in your home. I want to see goodness and all the resources of heaven be turned loose. With me? So look at, look at uh, Ephesians 5.21. No one ever reads these verses in church anymore. I'm going to boldly go where no pastor will go. Some of you are going to call me a misogynist. 
I, I had to get updated on current language. I thought that's when you got a massage. I found out it was being disrespectful to ladies. I, just, I didn't know the word. I probably shouldn't have said that either. So, are you ready to go? You ready to read? Okay, let's look at verse 21. Start here. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Did you get that? Who do we honor? One another. Who do we respect? One another. Who do we set value on? Everyone. Right? In that context of mutual submission and mutual respect. Everybody with me? Okay. Husbands, don't you start reading verse 22. Unless you read verse 21. Okay. Are you King Kong guys beating your chest? Settle down now. Okay. Are you ladies about to get dander up? Settle down now. Okay. So we're looking at the atmosphere of mutual submission. And then he says, verse 22, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Now, we're not through. He's right in the middle of it. You, you can't chop these things out. Look at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. The biblical definition of submission, listen to me closely means this, a voluntary attitude. See, what did I tell you about honor? Honor has to be something I set a value on. It can't be mandated for it to be honor. It can't be demanded and forced to be honor. With me? So the biblical definition of, uh, in the original languages, I've studied this, looked at this in depth, simply means a voluntary attitude of mutual respect for the purpose of jointly Completing a task. Jointly accomplishing a goal. And so you look at a family in God's order. He says we're all submitted to each other. We love each other. We respect and honor each other. And to make this goal reach, there's some ways God says. And as the husband leads and the wife works with him, they're able to together accomplish some things they could never do by themselves. That's what this means. And the context is a godly loving Christian husband. A godly loving Christian husband. I've never met a lady yet that had any issues partnering and honoring and trusting a man who loved her like Jesus loves the church. I've never seen a home that suffered under a godly husband and father who honored his children and his wife above himself and gave himself for them like Christ did for the church. And so what happens is people are trying to understand these verses outside the purpose of God. They try to understand these verses with a dysfunctional, not working marriage and say, how can I trust that guy? I'm not submitting to that guy. This lady and that lady and this man and that man. What we have to do is bring this in this place where God's speaking to real believers who understand honor. So let me help you. I'm about to wind this up. So, so we, we are to do this. Let me look at Hebrews 13, 4. Okay. And then I'm going to, we're, we're, we're going to tie this up. Hebrews 13, 4. I knew marriage and family would, would, would get us all on the same page. It, it's one thing to talk about honoring God, but now we're talking about honoring each other. That's where the kingdom flows. 
That's where blessings in life and miracles and favor happen. Maybe not doing this is why some of those areas aren't productive in your life. See, Hebrews 13, 4. Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. What's the first thing we read? Marriage should be what? Honored by all. When you bring honor into your marriage, stay with me. When you, when you set value on your spouse, I didn't say they earned it. I say you set it. When you set value on your spouse, when you respect and honor them, as a husband and a father, you set them in front of you. You're serving them. As ladies, you're saying, I'm willing to partner with the leadership of this man because he loves God and loves us. I trust him. He's a covering to me. He's, we're, we're in this thing together. Some amazing things happen. We honor marriage. We just read, marriage should be honored by all. So let me help you. Pride will repel honor. Okay? And humility will bring honor in our life. Honor receives the blessings of God. Dishonor moves them away from your life. So let me think, let's think about this. So if I want God's life and favor and blessing in my marriage, how do I do that? Not demanding my spouse honor me, but for me honoring them. If I want honor in that marriage, then how do I express honor? By word, by deed, by thought. So let me ask you a question. How do you talk about your spouse when they're not around? I told you you're going to have to hold on for a minute. See, it's not just what they do when I'm there. It's honor is how I think. Some of you need to take some thoughts captive. I'm going to sit on this side of the church. Honor is not just what I do. It's how I think. How do you think about your spouse? How do you think about your spouse? It's my words. How do I talk about my spouse? Do you know why some spouses never become the spouse they could be because the other spouse is running them down day in, day out, day in, day out. And they are repelling the favor and the blessings of God and they are receiving everything they're griping about. You, you want your marriage to be messed up, gripe, complain, think bad thoughts, talk bad about them, into them, away from them. And yeah, if you've got a friend and you get together with your friend... And your friend group is talking about how bad your spouses are. You are literally repelling the favor and the blessing of God off your marriage. And the thing you're griping about your spouse doing is what you are actually allowing to be set in place and always be like that. So if you want honor, favor, life, and blessing, it's how I think, it's how I talk, it's how I act. That's the way the kingdom works. So we honor that. So he says, he, we read here, marriage should be honored by all. I know, I know I'm, I'm pressing, but somebody needs to say it. So that means I honor everyone else's marriage. So I don't go to work and sit down with persons of the opposite sex and talk about how bad our spouses are. You're dishonoring their marriage. You don't find some little somebody somewhere that, that'll listen, you complain. You're dishonoring your marriage. If you allow somebody to come in and run their marriage down in front of you, you're not honoring their marriage. If you've got that big a problem, we've got a lot of places to pray here. You can come pray through. You can come get in that word. Let me give you another one. If you're single today, I told you I was going for this. If you're single today, you need to start honoring the marriage you're going to have by the way you treat the marriages around you right now. 
You need to start honoring the marriage you want to have. Listen to me as a single person by the purity that you're operating in your life right now. As a Christian single person, you are by the word of God to live a sexually pure life. Listen, if you're about to get married, you're not buying a car and need to take it out for a test drive. You want a godly wife, you be a godly single man. You want a godly husband, you be a godly single woman. You see, marriage is a product of what I honor and how I honor it. If I want a godly person in my life, I need to start honoring the marriage that's coming by how I'm living right now. Come on, don't shout me down just because I'm preaching good. Y'all sit down, you're getting too excited. Calm down. Honor. How do I honor things? I receive what I honor, I repel what I dishonor. I establish what I complain about. It becomes mine. See, and, 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 and again, not to be, you, you see where I started, where I've been first. If I'm going to honor marriage, I honor God's order of marriage. And that's male and female. I don't have to say a lot about that. I, I'm worried about the other things happening in church I've been talking about already. That one's obvious. And so we honor that. And see, I can't make that work. And that's how we need to help people. I want to see people healed and blessed and thankful. I want to see their life work. I want to see them be complete and intact and, and fulfilled and companionship. But, but guys, listen to me. If, if it's your friend, if it's your family, if it's a co-worker, if it's a classmate, God cannot put the favor and the blessing and the life on a union that doesn't honor his word. We can come up with a thousand reasons why. We can worm and squirm around and try to say it. But if we encourage someone to have a union that dishonors the word of God, then we are not being helpful and loving and kind. They will never have the favor on that that God would like to put in their life. We honor marriage. We do what God says in the way he says it. I want to conclude with this. Because I want us to pray over a couple of things. Go to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3. How many, are you, are you learning anything today? I know I'm pressing on this. But I want to see blessings on your life. I want to see you blessed. Maybe today there's somewhere you realize, I'm messing my own marriage up. My words and thoughts are tearing this thing down. You know, it doesn't mean that you, you're perfect. You never have that thought. But when it does, you take it captive and say, God, in Jesus' name, I'm going to get this thing right. God, I'm going to begin to thank you for this. I'm going to begin to celebrate this. I'm going to begin to honor your thing, what you said about marriage, what you said about life, what you said about leadership. Look at these verses. These, these are pretty overwhelming. Colossians 3.18. Are you with me? Colossians 3.18. Ready? Wives, submit to your husbands as fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. There will never be a command to submit without a command to love. All right? Verse 20. Children, obey your parents and everything, for this pleases the Lord. Come on, watch this. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Parents, you're to honor your children. You honor your children. That's how the family works. Keep reading. Now, this one blows me away. Look at this. These are words that all we're not supposed to talk about in our culture today. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you, and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Man. Do you see, he says, even in the most lowly, unnatural position for someone to be a slave, 
I want you to get this. So, so you may be in a tough spot today, but that's slavery. Something should never been visited on any human being. It's wrong. It has been and always will be. But listen, he chose it. He said even a slave can choose to put value on someone. Honor is voluntary. Honor is how I set the value of something. And, I, and here's the thing you say, well, that's tough. Here's the encouraging part. So he says, no matter what situation you're in in life, I can choose to give honor and to release his God's blessing in my life. You can be in a situation like a slave was in that day, and there's nothing you can do to change your position. But I can honor what God says, and where I am, God begins to bless me. Do you know that while Joseph was a slave in Potiphar's house, the Bible says the favor of God rested on him. Can I tell you something today? Stop saying, how did I get in this marriage? How did I get in this place? How did I get in this job? How do we get this president? Come on. How do we get in all these places? And we need to start saying, I choose to put value on what God values. I choose to honor what God honors. And do you know what happens when you and I begin to do that? Favor begins to come on your life. Blessing begins to come on your life. Life begins to come to you. Let's stop waiting till Potiphar quits treating you like a slave and honor God and God will throw honor on top of your life. Promotion will come. Stop waiting. Listen to me. I feel like I had to do this today. Stop, stop eyeballing somebody else's wife. Stop looking at somebody else's husband. Stop thinking the grass is greener on the other side of your neighborhood fence. Because if you got over the other side of that fence, that green grass is probably on a septic tank. That's why it's looking green right now. See, what you've got to understand is that you better start praising God where you are, giving honor as God says. You see, I didn't say it's perfect. I'm saying it's God's order. Honor the order. Honor the plan. Speak what God has said. Honor that. And life comes. Honor comes. Blessing comes. Favor comes. No matter what situation, look at, let's finish these verses. So then he says, look at this with me, verse 23. Whatever you do, <clears throat> work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong. And there is no favoritism. We with honor can say, you know what? Everything around me is crazy, but I'm going to honor the plan of God. And God says, I'll take care of this. I'll put revenge on them. They'll be exposed for what they do. And I will bless you and you will have an inheritance. And your children will rise up and call you blessed. And your children will want to serve the God of their father. And your children will want a marriage like your marriage. And your family will see the hand of God, the honor of God, the blessing of God, the favor of God. But I set the value. And it all begins how I honor God. Do I trust him to take care of me in every situation? If I will honor what God says to honor. All right. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.